guest today is Annie Lowry. She's a contributing editor for The Atlantic Magazine, a former economics writer for The New York Times, and the author of the new book, Give People Money, How a Universal Basic Income Would End Poverty, Revolutionize Work, and Remake the World, which she joins the show to talk about today. Annie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Now, before we sort of get into the all the different flavors and the details of the universal basic income, which you, uh, you know, fairly well, I think, capture in the title, you're, you're, you're giving people money. Yes. You're giving people money. A big idea. That is, that is a big idea. But sort of when did you become interested in this? I mean, it's... It's an old idea. It's yeah. a very, very old idea, but it sort of had a, a resurgence. So when did you become interested in it and why? So I had reported about conditional and unconditional cash transfers in the developing country context for a while. Hundreds, not hundreds, um, dozens and dozens, more than 100 lower income countries have these. And so I was sort of familiar with that. And then I think I had gotten interested in it mostly from the Swiss referendum, where Switzerland, basically, they have kind of like almost like the California prop system, where you can trigger an election on almost anything by collecting enough votes. And so they voted and uh, to, to basically institute a UBI in Switzerland. It didn't pass, but it didn't do terribly either, given kind of what an extraordinarily radical idea it would be for them. Um, got, I think it's like 25 or 30 percent of the vote. And then it just started bubbling up everywhere. And, you know, so when, when was that referendum? Yeah. So that was 2014, I want to say, though. My memory about this right. is kind of shot. And so then it just started showing up everywhere, right? You have all these folks in Silicon Valley. Obviously, you have, you know, Charles Murray and other libertarian thinkers or more libertarian thinkers who've been thinking about it for a long time. And then there's, you know, this resurgence of interest in Europe. Um, so there's all of those strands coming together that I was like, all right, this is this is an idea big enough for a book. Right. So is it... it so is it that it's a sort of a big idea and you're probably like me, you like sort of interesting uh, ideas, even if they're sort of old ideas that have sort of reemerged for whatever reason. But was there anything in particular that attracted you to like, where you obviously you think, oh, yeah, this is not only is it a big idea, but it may actually be a good idea, which aren't always the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I like thinking of UBI. And, you know, if you read the book, you'll see that I, I'm in many ways enamored of it and in many ways not, right? It's a blunt tool. It's a big tool. It gets this question of like, what are you actually trying to do by arguing that you should implement it. But it's like a jungle gym, right? It lets you think about history. It lets you think about why we have what we have right now. It lets you think about sort of like radical feminist economics. It lets you think about like work as a social structure. And there's just there's not that many policy. You know, it's almost it's it's like taxes, sort of just in the enormity of it, right? Um, and so I liked that, that it has this kind of philosophical and historical background. And then it just really lets you, in some ways, I even think it's even just better, like in letting you apply these principles and look at what we have. It's just interesting. It's a really deep idea, which is not always, you know, true if you're talking right. about. Right. I mean, I was trying to think like, you know, why sort of, you know, why, why, again, it's, uh, and if, if you want, you can, you probably have, you probably know well the, the history of it, the idea, but it's sort of returned. I started thinking, why I went over to Google Trends, yeah, and I, I put in universal basic income, yeah. <laughs> and right around like late 2015, it just sort of it just sort of like uh, skyrockets. Yeah, it's continuing to skyrocket. I'm sure because of the book, <laughs> it is an accelerant uh, to the skyrocketing. 
Uh, and I'm, so I've, oh, one, I think one obvious is that, uh, you know, we had a, uh, we've had a, you know, this very sort of, you know, we had a terrible recession, yep. a weak recovery. People started, I think, worrying about like, you know, you know, very high unemployment, you know, forever because the, because yeah, the recovery is so weak. So you take that. Right. You have also sort of the, the whole kind of rise of the robots yep. uh, issue, which also took, which is interesting because that UBI took off around the same time as like Alpha, the AlphaGo thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think people, that, that wasn't the only reason. I think people started worrying about robots taking all the jobs. Right. And then I think you had also Silicon Valley, yep. uh, you know, sort of pushing it. it was, this is before they were all evil when we still liked people from Silicon Valley. <laughs> so they were talking about it, I think, because they... They at least saw what was happening in their sector, and uh, they started to think, well, gee, you know, maybe, maybe they will take all the jobs. And if you're, if right. like, if you're a smart, if you're a smart person from Silicon Valley, that means you probably think you're smart in everything. So yes. you go, you Google, <laughs> like, oh, my my technology didn't take all the jobs. How would I fix that so people don't come after all the luddites? Don't come after me. Oh, beautiful elegant solution. Exactly. Universal basic income. Right. Aren't Universal. I brilliant and benevolent? Aren't I so smart? So, I, I, so I've come up, I've come up, I could easily explain why, I don't know why economists did not think of this before, but I have, I have, right. I have a solution. So You're that's all I, welcome. Right. So, I, that's right. so I think all these things sort of kind of came together and it was it resulted in your, in, in your book and certainly many, uh, uh, many articles. Now, again, many flavors yes. of the universal basic income. Libertarians have like a version. Yes. People on the left have a version. Yeah. Just very briefly, what are those versions and what do you like? Yeah. So and and actually just to pick up on a thread that you mentioned, I do think that 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 you gestured to something really important. And I don't I don't know what I think about this, but I think it's interesting, right? So you have the development of the modern welfare state that rises out of this transition from feudalism to mercantilism, capitalism. This happens in Europe, right? So you have all of these people who are sort of dispossessed from the land that they're working on. They become wage laborers. And all of a sudden, a system needs to grow to help support them because a lot of them are unemployed. And so I think that there's this argument. And again, I don't know what I make of it, but I think it's fascinating that with AI and technology and globalization, we are moving to a new form of an like of economic of economic reality that we're not even going to, like, we're going to see the period from 1500 to now as being one period, and then we're going to move into a new one, and we'll need new social structures and governmental structures to support it. And I think that that's the, it's a really fat, I don't know how you would test that. Your, your argument doesn't depend on that, though. No, it doesn't gosh, depend, no. right. It's just an argument that's kind of made right. about it. That that's like, sort of like, the, that's sort of the more, I mean, what sort of, I think, captures people's ideas, yeah. people who do worry about that. Right. Because if you're saying, if you're saying, uh, because I mean, there's there are you know a few quotes in the book which saying people saying this is a big change. So if you're going right. to have a big change, there must be a reason for the big. And that would certainly be like <laughs> five be people owning one. all the robots and the, the rest of us. Have, that would be a big change. But yeah, your, but your argument doesn't require no, 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 no. And uh, again, super I'm intelligent just, AI. No, no, no. And I'm not even sure that I don't think we have any idea what AI is doing to the economy or how it's going to. I think if you think that you know that, then. I'm impressed by your intelligence, but I don't know. But yeah, to, to your point, right? So you have this this libertarian conservative argument, which is basically the government shouldn't be trying to micromanage people's lives. So in the SNAP program currently, in some states, you can buy sweet potatoes, but not white That's potatoes. food stamps. Yeah, okay. sorry, food stamps. So like, let's stop doing that. Let's like get rid of HHS and all of these other huge departments and just give people money. So this is Charles Murray's argument. He's mm-hmm. been making it for... 20, 30 years now. Then you have, you know, the liberal argument, which is that 
Our system right now is not redistributive enough. You have an alarming number of people in poverty, given how wealthy the country is. So UBI might be something to create a true backstop, like a true insurance. And we're going to say nobody is going to fall down below some level, and and we're going to do that. And then the sort of third, I think, big strand of argument comes from Silicon Valley, which is, you know, they're like, we're sorry we're going to take all of your jobs. But instead of having your nice $65,000 a year job as a truck driver, you'll have $12,000 a year as a UBI, so you'll be fine. Right, right, right. Which is an insane argument, but is indeed the one that they're making. And you can spend your time being a superhero in your uh, VR goggles. Yeah, exactly. You'll have great video games. You can make art or whatever it is. So that's that's kind of those three arguments. And so I don't... And then I I would say that there is a fourth argument, which is probably the kind of the it's a related argument, but it's the idea that we should to the liberal argument, we should have an income guarantee. So Richard Nixon actually was into this idea. Basically say we're going to use the tax code. We're going to implement a negative income tax. We're going to eliminate poverty. It's kind of a clean and easy solution. Costs something like $200 billion a year currently, which is a lot of money, but it's not like trillions of dollars, right? It's not a totally crazy amount of money. You could certainly finance it with small changes in the tax code or, you know, reducing other programs. Um, so those those are the big things that we're talking about here. All right. So, and which is the good version that you, that you like? So I'm sure you've, you've looked at these and you, you've come you've come up with sort of the ideal blend of all these things. Yeah. What does that look like? So ultimately, I think that that kind of fourth case is the most compelling. I think that we have alarming rates of especially child poverty in this country, and we have not really taken the steps to ameliorate that. And so, you know, you and I could have an argument about how bad poverty really is, how many Americans are really living without cash poverty, but I don't think... That, you know, and and the consumption among poor people has gone up, even if in some cases their income has has mostly where it has gone up. It's been because of an increase in benefits. But I I do think that there continues to be just an alarming amount of stress in some communities. I like the idea that the United States would basically say, you know what, like we're not going to punish kids for the failings of their parents, we're, we're going to go ahead and do this through either a universal cash grant for kids or negative income taxing, which is, you know, a pretty clean and straightforward way of doing that. And I think would be pretty good investment in especially, again, young people. Right. Now that now that that version, it, remi- it sort of reminds me, this is a this is I remember I read this somewhere is like whenever whenever there's like a really like popular movie. You know, they want to make a TV show out of it. Yeah. Right. So, I, I, you, know, they, you know, but it's not going to be as good. Yeah. Right? So I remember like the uh, there's a there was a great movie and I'm dating myself called uh, The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner sure. and Whitney, Whitney Houston. Fantastic. Yes. And then that, then they're like, we're going to make a TV show. Out right. Of it. And now you're not now, you know, you're, you're not getting Kevin Costner. Right. You're not getting Kevin Costner. Maybe if you're lucky, you get like a Mark Harmon. <laughs> all right. And if you're really not lucky, you're, you know, you're probably getting David Hasselhoff. Let's be honest. All right. But no, no one's got, no one wants to buy that version. All right. So the the version of UBI, I think, which again really attracts people, is yeah. sort of the Silicon Valley, be- beautiful, elegant, yeah. uh, the one that the libertarians like, which you replace this morass of with yeah. this, with this one check. It's simple. Yep. Uh, it's 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 fantastic version. Right. Uh, what you've just described is yeah. sort of the less sexy, less totally. interesting. It's like the way uh, here, take, means tested. Ex- right, expand. Maybe <laughs> we could expand the ITC. Yeah, yeah that stuff. Um, isn't that? Isn't that maybe just what we should be focusing on, and that we're using yeah. up a lot of bandwidth on what 
on this big idea, uh-huh. which some people will jump to, which again is you know far less complicated, complicated stuff for people who really don't feel like getting into weeds of what all right. these programs are and how to fix them, and. Is that really, I mean, again, that wouldn't make probably a, a particularly interesting book. It's more like a, you know, a policy paper or a very yeah. big book, which, you know, uh-huh. people aren't going to read. Is that really what we should be focusing on rather than the kind of version of UBI, which people start podcasts about, you know, UBI right. podcasts and that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, the political economy question is a good one. And the kind of like sexiness question is a good one, especially because I feel like like Democrats are now in this place where they're like, oh, man, we're going to promise the moon, right? Like right. all of it. We want all of it. We want getting rid of ICE. We want free college for everybody. Right. Like we want Medicare for everybody. And we're just not going to stop like all of it. Right. And we're not right. going to talk about financing. We're just we're going to just do it. Right. And and I think that the core message there that, you know, is is a good one. It's not like we're going to tinker around the edges of your problems in this kind of like triangulating Clintonian way. Like, we're not going to say to you, oh, don't worry, like, NAFTA is going to be totally fine for you. We're going to say, like, we're going to do the big crazy stuff. We're going to stop, like, negotiating ourselves down before we've even started talking to Republicans. I am more of a policy reporter, so inevitably I'm more attracted to I'm like, wow, this is really good bang for the buck. This is like a really smart (laughs) idea. And we could do this without really changing the tax code too much, right? right? Um, And so I feel like I'm like very over my skis and thinking about these kind of normative questions of like, maybe you do just want the big radical thing. Maybe that's what people are asking for right now, especially that we're in this really hyper-polarized partisan climate in which I do think to a certain extent people on both sides are like promising the world. Right. Well, if you have one side, I mean, during the campaign, you had the uh, Republican uh, nominee not only promising, like, you know, the the giant mega wall, but yeah. I think at one point a $13 trillion tax cut, just, <laughs> yeah. just big, big, big ideas. And, oh, it's, Annex Canada. Right. And they don't care about. <laughs> so why am I? So why are we talking about like EITC expansions or some sort of a public-private partnership infrastructure right. or infrastructure yeah. bank? Let's do a bottom-up pilot. <laughs> right. <you> right. Pilot, <laughs> bottom pilot program and account. <laughs> So, so, so that is that also sort of yeah. I guess, driving it that they absolutely are big ideas, right? And I, I like that you know we can sit here and talk about like what's the biggest bang for the buck because one thing about UBI is I don't think anybody argues it's like the biggest bang for the buck. It just isn't in social policy. This is just not. I think it's a weird. There's a way in which UBI boosters want to treat it like it is like the magic bullet that solves all problems. And I just don't think that that's true. If you have a UBI, and this is my my issue with Charles Murray's proposal, what happens to progressivity? What happens to redistribution? That's a much less redistributive system, which is something I worry about, though I think that he sees that as, you know, an advantage of it, right? And so, um, but the nuts and bolts really matter, right? Like EITC expansions <laughs> really, really matter. And so and so I'm not too worried about getting caught up in, in that small stuff. And I do think that, you know, one other thing that, that has bothered me. So Bernie Sanders' campaign, again, promises all of this big stuff, does not worry too much about just the policy details of like, how the heck are you going to do some of this? I, I think that about the jobs guarantee. I'm right. like, how, how would you actually do that? There's lots of hand waving. Right. Nobody actually knows, let alone like where the money comes from. But, you know, just sort of saying, like, we're going to end poverty. Like, that's that's a I think that's kind of catchy. I think that's like a good thing. We're going to end poverty for kids. Like, let, let's just do that. Kids don't vote. That's a bummer. But like, I, I think that that is forget how how you're explaining how you're going to do that with negative income taxes. And, oh, they're less complicated than they seem. But you would need like this that, and the other right. thing, you know, like 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 let's do so that. Like, like let's have that moral big goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Because the other, th- you know, and I, I've already given me my, my the completely probably ridiculous <laughs> Kevin Costner example. When is he actually going to leave that? I'm, I'm stepping in to defending the Hoff here. <laughs> right. uh, what, I, I, it, what it also makes me think of is, um, it's it, the, like the idea of the flat tax on the right. Yeah, totally. It's sort of there, but it used to be like, I mean, there was a point there, like, especially like in the 90s, where, yeah. you know, it was, it, was, it was end of the year, big government's over. Totally. And it was like really a hot issue. And, and, and on the on the left as well. I remember going right. to a thing, and again, this is dating me, when when, when uh, Dick Gephardt, yeah. you know, on the left, man of the unions, he had a flat tax plan. So yeah. everybody like had, it seemed like the magic cure. And the criticism with with this, again, a beautiful, elegant idea. Again, I, I'm spray. So you know, simple. Very simple, <laughs> but then uh, they think, well, you know, how would how would it actually work? Because there, you right. know, there's there's distribution problems. We want everyone, you know, plan, you know, you know, paying the same tax. And right. Gosh, once it went through the meat grinder of reality, wouldn't th- wouldn't there not be just one tax? Once at some point somebody say, you know, maybe there should be a surtax for like super rich, or <laughs> here's a new program, and maybe there should be a tax to vote. So, uh, it, it's yeah, unlikely a not to exactly pure. flat. Tax. Right. right. Not, I remember going to when when uh, Steve, you know, Steve Forbes ran for president yeah. at his initial press conference. He's like, I have the true purest flat tax. <laughs> they all have the ER. Their their taxes are flat er. Yeah. Or simpler. Mine is flat. It's simple. And to all the real UBI enthusiasts, isn't that the exact same problem to people who really want this purest UBI plan? Yes. Is that it's not going to stay simple. It's not going to. It's not going. It's going to be. It's going to go through the meat grinder of political reality. Right. People are going to say, "Well, um, everybody shouldn't get the same amount of money." Yeah. Or even if it's only, even if it's mean tested, certainly you know people with some disabilities should get more. Right. It's. It, it's. 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 It is really sort of a. I don't want to use the word fantastical, but it's a bit. It is a little bit like fantasy policy totally. making. Right. And I'm. I'm. A, I'm actually. I'm a defender of means testing. I think means testing is really important and really good right like oh, under 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 none of your under none of your scenarios would you want to you know be cutting bill gates a check yeah that's I, a classic I, example it's so always bill gates i, Maybe I think i think if you are cutting bill gates a check i think if you're cutting bill gates a check then then you need to be doing other things to um take that money away some other way yeah take that money away and also to to ensure progressivity right it it is important to me and i think important to to most people to say like let's give the most help to the people that need the most help right and ubi doesn't naturally do that that's not an impossible thing problem to solve. But, you know, I do think that that we sometimes there's different forms of simplicity to think about. So, you know, there's this kind of progressive, do we want a means test? Do we want to give more help to people who need more help? And, you know, like, let's go ahead and say yes. But then there's also just simple programmatic simplicity, right? Right now, a lot of the issues that people have with our existing safety net programs, they have to comply with a work requirement, which are often really hard to comply with, annoying to comply with. Um, For an upcoming story, I was talking to a woman in Maine who's a single mom. She was enrolled in TANF, which is our cash welfare program, um, through a community college program that would let her attend school as well as working while she was taking care of her kids. And the program required her, the state of Maine required her to go to all of her professors after each class and to have them sign a sheet attesting that she had physically been there so that she could give that to the states that she wouldn't lose her TANF benefits. And this was like humiliating and annoying. And so 
Those kinds of things, And right? perhaps secretly meant to try to deny her benefits. Exactly. I mean, I mean the compl- I mean, com- complexity. Exactly. Some people, it's not just... Right, you know, you know like making people pee in a cup, having short re-enrollment re- periods, so every six months you need to be talking to the government to make sure that you're getting your benefits. You know, in some states you have to call a 1-800 number that's only open between 9 and 5 to know how much more food stamps you have for the month. Right. That kind of stuff. That complexity... And in in a lot of cases, states and the federal government are increasing that kind of complexity. We know that it leads people to drop out of programs. We know that it puts a disproportionate burden on people who might have language and literacy challenges, right? Maybe they can't read, so it's pretty hard to interact with the government in that way. That kind of complexity. I think we're trying to get all those people out of the country right now. (laughs) I think there's a a movement to get (laughs) There's another way of eliminating that issue that some people are toying with, unfortunately. Um, But that kind of complexity, there's a really good argument for just getting rid of all of that stuff. Make it so that you automatically um, get something if your income is low because the government has your tax return anyway. And so I think that like simplifying things, getting rid of all of these like social workers who have to deal with these people who are calling to be like, wait, you know, I just got sanctioned for X, Y, or Z reason. That's a really good thing. And UBI is simple. And I think it tells us like we can just give people cash instead of having sort of complicated in-kind benefits. And these programs can be way simpler than they are right now. When you when you when you talk to people who are you know you know really all in proponents, is the goal is the goal to sort of to raise living standards, you know, at the bottom, right? Is or is the goal? How much of the goal is? This is what I this is how I believe the world should work. I right. believe that you should have a very you should have a some sort of good living standard, right? And have the freedom to use your money as you want. Uh, without working because you're a human being. Right. right. How much is kind of this a human right issue versus a more practical issue of uh, I just think that in a wealthy country, people should ha- people should live better than what they are. Right. So, yeah, I do think that a lot of people make that kind of second argument. So I don't know if you've heard the phrase. There, there are people who are basically like we should have AI get rid of all of the work. Like it's I love this phrase so much. Um, fully automated luxury communism. Right? right. Like let the robots do the work. All right. Let people do whatever they feel like, right? right? Like, why should people have to work so hard? This is absolutely an argument that people made. Also, just that a UBI would provide people with a certain freedom of choice. Right. You know, you have $1,000 a month or your family has 3000 Maybe you decide to, you know, your dad's dying and you stay at home. Mm-hmm. You want to have another kid, you decide to stay home with the kid. Um, you decide, yeah, to do artistic work. Um, and so I think that, that that is one of these kind of more profound arguments that this is This is basically a government insurance system, sort of like Social Security, right? We're just not going to let you get that poor, but also that it's it's providing you with more choice. What people would do with that choice, you know, I think is a great question. What do you believe people would do with that choice? Uh, Do you believe believe that, again, people would uh, Mm -hmm. take up poetry, you know, learn to play the cello, (laughs) take, you know, coding (laughs) classes, uh, or do you believe... Boy, you know, their lives are just sort of fall apart without work to sort of structure yeah. yourselves and find find meaning. Man, I'm of two minds about this. I think it's so so fascinating, right? Because on the one side, on the one hand, people people love working. Right. Even really low income people, single parents with kids, people with disability, they like working. They like the social structure that work gives you. They like having some place to go during the day. People like talking about their jobs. Um, it makes people feel good. There's this amazing study that looked at older folks, and when they stop describing themselves as unemployed and start describing themselves as retired, they get happier, like so much happier that you can, there's actually a different letter, level of cortisol in their blood. 
And so I don't discount that. Like people, people want jobs. They don't want handouts. And we have like a whole culture that is really set up to venerate this fact and to try to encourage and in some cases connect people with work. And on the other hand, we um, have an economy that is really punishing to parents and other people who need to provide a lot of care work. We have an economy that doesn't really compensate or even recognize a lot of work that is not paid. Um, you know, and we also have a lot of jobs that are just terribly compensated, degrading, that people are just doing to keep their heads above water. And I just, I don't quite know how to, like, balance these two things right. what, in what, my head. What, what is, uh, um, what is the, you know, the, the studies that you looked at? Where, where yeah. do they come down and do you feel super confident in their conclusions? <laughs> at least right now. I think that what people want is to work, but to have better jobs, right? right? Jobs with um, time off, you know, health benefits um, that would let them have a kid or adopt a kid that would let them take care of somebody if somebody was really sick. I think people want work. I don't think that they just want cash. And this is why the Silicon Valley version of this bothers me. Again, like you take somebody and, you know, you take us sitting in this room and they're like, well, robots doing your job now. Here's a handout. Like, I think I would be bereft. Like, I don't know what I would do. I think I would keep writing. But like, that's not a good trade off. Right. Like, that's that's terrible. I think that you would need to find some way to help those people transition into maybe different forms of work. But I think that people would still want to point to what they did. I, I feel like you're making a powerful case against UBI. <laughs> I feel, I feel like this, you've, you, you're, 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 you've launched a devastating attack on the sort of simplistic – again, the version, yeah. that, the, the version that sort of lures people into this issue yes. is really – sounds like it's really – and I don't want to put words in your mouth. It sounds like it's really problematic. Yeah, and it's what, complicated and it's super problematic. And the conspiracy theory – yeah, I, I get um, I, over over Twitter, of course, <laughs> all these people uh-huh. who like UBI on the left, including Annie Lowry. This isn't about UBI. It's just sort of conditioning us to accept more redistribution. They have they know that's not going to happen. The politics are terrible. People, you know, taxpayers are, you know, are never going to go for it. They're never going to they're never going to say that everyone should just get a check. Yeah. And what you what you're what you Angela, are really trying to do is just uh, kind of expand like people's thinking, open the you know, the Overton window or whatever. Yeah. To just accept a lot more redistribution. Right. That might be, that is that might your not secret be, plan? That is might that not be wrong. Plan? I was talking, I was having dinner with some friends of mine who are are kind of like true blue libertarians, right? Like not conservatives, real libertarians. Right. And I described UBI as a Trojan unicorn, right? Like this is just like the way that you you condition people. Yeah, exactly. To do just that. I'm not, I'm not even sure that that's, I'm not sure that that's wrong exactly. I would say that I think that many of UBI's strongest boosters have the most delusional cases for it. It's a tool. You can use it to all sorts of different ends. And I think it's really worth thinking pretty deeply about like how complicated people's lives and motivations are and what kind of incentives you're creating and and structuring. One thing I would note, so in the um, Simon Dime experiments, these are these big income maintenance experiments that were 
done by, of all people, Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney, where they provide people with kind of negative income tax support. That that gave us a really good look at what people would do with this kind of money. And people do stop working, right? So it's not that nobody stops working, which is an argument that people make. But when you looked at who stopped working, it tended to be students who stayed in school for longer, unemployed people who took longer in job search, though over a longer period of time, it didn't reduce um, employment levels, and then um, people doing caretaking. Right. And I think all and that's those a, But that's are, a negative income tax, which is Yeah, that's a negative income tax. tax. It's, not a, it's not a UBI. Right. Um, there was kind of a more UBI type thing in Canada. There's suggestive evidence that that, that that would be true even in a UBI. Although you could obviously, if you're paying everybody $5,000 a month, there's some amount of money you can pay people to just stop working right. and like go to the beach and hang out right. <laughs> uh, the, I, while robots make I, them probably this, like uh, pina coladas. <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> fantastic vision of painting here. <laughs> just on sort of like how everyone else would think about this, like yeah. how the average person would think about it. And, I, and, and it actually just pops in my head. I, somebody, I don't know if it was somebody from the Roosevelt Institute or somebody like went to – Went to Appalachia and started, you know, talking about this idea. Like, what do you, you know, what, what are the people here? I mean, no, it's kind of, a, it's not a, a real scientific survey. It's just right. talking to people on the street. And they're like, can I just get a job? Yeah. A check. You know, I, how about just giving me a job? Yeah. Not a, not a check. So, but there was a, uh, uh, Joe Biden put out some. Yeah. Some, uh, you know, because, you know, he may run for president. So this is some. some JRB, paper. he hates this idea. Right. So this is, this, let me quote this. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is a very, this is a pretty concise and powerful attack. Uh, Americans don't want a no strings attached check from the government, like the universal basic income proposal pushed by some leaders in Silicon Valley. Boo. They want work that <laughs> provides dignity and a sense of community as well as a good paycheck. To deliver that, we need policies that support work and ensure workers can succeed in a changing economy. That's a pretty good summary of what, uh, and a, a, I think a most people would that I think that would resonate with a lot of voters. That kind of that kind of you know totally. critique. Yeah, I mean, look, like I think that this is so. First of all, I kind of push back gently on his either or, right? Like you can give people cash without also saying we're you know like not not supporting. Sorry, this is like nine negatives, but you know while also saying we also want you to work. We want to support policies that are going to create jobs in places like Appalachia. Um, we're not saying that we're buying into a vision of the economy in which like. 10,000 people have jobs and they're all multi-billionaires and the rest of you are all just like eating Cheetos and playing video games because the robots that provide pina coladas on the beach are <laughs> too expensive for you to buy. Thank you for circling back around. <laughs> Very important. Excellent. This is my next book. Right, right. <laughs> Um, and what's kind of crazy is that then um, Barack Obama, he was speaking at Nelson Mandela's 100th birthday, and he kind of signed on to this sort of like moonier, more future focused vision of like, if we're going to have more inequality and it's going to be driven by AI and we're going to see mass joblessness and, you know, we're already seeing these distributional concerns, maybe we do need it. So those two are at loggerheads, I guess. Right. I mean, some people... They they don't another reason they, they kinda like the idea is they don't like sort of the paternalism yeah. of saying like here's you know, this is your this is your voucher or money for housing. This yes. is this is this is for food. I mean, how, how, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, even if you, I mean, there are some study, studies showing that a large number of people, if they got, if they got a check, they they would use it for what they're supposed to. They yeah. would, they're not going to, not going to. But I mean, I don't know what the magic number is. If it's one percent, five percent, ten percent, right? But some portion of these people, and people with children, uh, so we're going to feel some sympathy, especially going to feel some sympathy there, are yep. going to blow this money. Yeah. And those and those instances will be highlighted in the news. 
that to me seems like a very weak point for the give just give people money argument that some people are going to misuse that money. Oh, yeah. I think this is like a terrible. So first of all, it's always my question is always so what? Say you're getting food stamp, you're getting cash or whatever. You have a kid. What the government is trying to do is ensure adequate consumption among your kid. If you misuse the money, like who cares? We have so many studies on this showing that people who buy food with food stamps consume almost exactly the same type of food that everybody else does. Um, The consumption of fast food is almost identical among really high income people and low income people because fast food is inexpensive and delicious, right? Like I just, I don't, I don't worry about it. We have study after study after study showing that when you give people cash, their consumption of vice goods does not increase. What happens? is they consume more, they don't tend to change their basket of consumption. And so, yeah, you know, some people are going to waste the money. I feel like we just need to say, like, okay, cool. And, you know, we have program, like, that's fine. Like, whatever. We're not going to punish. But, th- but those instances would be used, I mean, just yes. the pot, would be used to completely right. undermine support. Because, but, I, mean, just, yeah. I mean, just like look at the immigration debate. Sure. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, when. Every crime committed by an immigrant is now being highlighted, saying we should, you right. know, we should, we should, you know, send them all back, or we, you know, they're all they're all criminals. So it doesn't doesn't take much, right? But you know, there's this. Um, I do think that you can kind of get around this. Nobody, where are the stories saying these people got a mortgage introduc- like mortgage interest deduction, and look what they did. Like, look at this completely architecturally crappy third wing that's built in a swamp. Right. Nobody says this This grandma got her Social Security and she used it on, like, a fancy golf cart and Corvassier. Right, right. There's this sense that that money sent, is just Sent the check hers. to someone, to a televangelist for, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a bottle of healing water or something. Right, exactly. She took you know, the money right. and she burned it. Right. And for Social Security, it's because there's this, like— I understandable, but I think somewhat incorrect sense that the money is theirs. They paid it in and then they got it back. And just like we judge poor people. We don't judge people who are getting middle class tax breaks. So, you know, I have not seen a lot of stories saying this family got their EITC money and they wasted it at Atlantic City casinos. Right. This is just for those social welfare programs that are super stigmatized. And so, like, I don't know, maybe that's an argument for just getting rid of them, right? Like, have negative income taxes in EITC. We don't judge people for what they do with the cash they get through the tax code. We judge people who are getting these, quote, unquote, handout programs, welfare programs. Do you wish this book had come out a year ago? Yes. I, I, I wish it was out of my <laughs> life for a full year. Well, for sure. That Sorry. I, but do you think, because, you know, so, I mean, there was a, you know, we have very low unemployment rate right yeah, now. Yeah, it's so low. And, and we had this sort of, again, we had this sort of huge you know, you know, rise concern about the robots. Yet, you know, you know, as you well know, you know, productivity growth is yeah. sort of going nowhere, which is what you wouldn't expect if the robots were about to take all the jobs. So you have very low unemployment. We don't seem to have, we don't seem to see the impact of AI taking over the economy. You have the group of people who are really pushing it. Uh, now, you know, they're now they're 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 held in somewhat low esteem. You know, uh, yeah. So that 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 do you think like there was a there was a UBI moment? Unfortunately, it was last year. No, I mean, so I think that this is coming and going, but there's just so much new, interesting stuff. Chicago is looking at doing something with a UBI. Hawaii is looking at doing something with a UBI. You have these 2020 candidates who I think are are looking at it, and I just I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, and I also think that there is um, 
There are just there are good policy fights to be had right now that are smaller bore and they're gnarlier and they're much more in the math and in the weeds. But you know, like pushing back against work requirements and Medicaid mm-hmm. is really important and is going to make a huge difference in people's lives. Those policies are really poorly designed. They're not going to work. Do you think there'll be a a 2020 you know candidate? You no, know, I would assume a Democrat. Uh, yeah. Who who would actually push this idea? I, I would not be surprised. For some reason, it seems to me that Dems have really a lit on the jobs guarantee, which I think that I think that for political reasons, basically for the Biden reason, saying, like, we think people want to work. We think that we need a backstop for these people, you know, basically. I My concern about that is all in terms of practicality. It's really not clear how they're going to create the jobs guarantee. But I do think that it, you know, that that's the reason that they've sort of cottoned on to it. Do you I think, think that's a thornier problem or a less thorny problem, the job, the uh, universal jobs guarantee, since that's the one they see. That seems to be the 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 hot, you know, hot yeah, policy. it's like the hot, hot take thing. policy of the moment. Man, I have I have some concerns about that. You are going to need. It's just going to be really hard to do. You're going to have to have like a huge department of labor. You're going to have to find these jobs, and there's so many great small initiatives that you could grow. Um, but you know, a lot of those, right? Like. When you're looking at these, it's it's transitional jobs for the formerly incarcerated, where we have a lot of evidence and we know a lot about that. But like, I feel like that's going to be easy to attack politically. Like, hey, you're taking my tax dollars, and instead of putting them in my schools, you're giving them to some guy who committed armed robbery three times, right? Like, I think politically that could be kind of tough. It's just logistically hard. So I don't, I you know, it goes back to our earlier conversation about like maybe it's just a moment for promising people the moon. But I I do think that it's going to be harder than people expect, and there's going to be a lot of failures. My guest today has been Andy Lowry. Andy, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you.